Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. A couple things before we get going. Uh, one, I just want to thank uh, Aaron. I don't, I don't know if he's in the room or back there, but just leading that uh, little tag of that that Kim Walker Jesus Culture song, Love of God Overflow Permeate All My Soul. Um, y- y'all don't know it, but that's the song I listened to the most over the last three years or so coming to the service in the morning. It's like, fill me up. And so I just, sometimes it's loud. Sometimes I'm doing imaginary leads uh, that actually would make this, I, I could take it to the next level. Um, just, uh, just high gain stuff, big amps and punch some of these buttons down here. Just, ah. but, uh, yeah, just love that, love that song. And I, I want that for us. Love of God overflow, permeate our souls. And, uh, so we're talking about the fall today. And so we're going to be talking about how that gets cut off the love of God flowing in our lives and all the destruction that happens when we miss out on that. Also right now, I want to just pray for Ukraine, if we could just take a moment and do that. Um, You know, uh, I've been in some prayer meetings. I was in a prayer meeting Tuesday and up here, noon prayer meeting, and and it just, we got on Ukraine, man, and it just, you know, when you get in a flow, and it's just like, hey, this is what God's doing right now. We are interceding for Ukraine, and and, uh, we were praying, man, there's some passionate prayers going on, but I had a picture of and it doesn't even feel shaky. It feels like this is exactly what was happening around the world, that we were joining with hundreds of thousands of other believers literally around the globe, focusing our prayers at one time on Ukraine. Isn't that powerful? Like this is our, and it hit me with tears. Like this is our family, like our, our family, you know, our family in Russia and our family in Ukraine, brothers and sisters in the Lord, their, their family, and um, real family. And so I, I want us to just intercede for just, just a minute. Just join me in praying. And, um, and one of the things, we prayed again on Friday night. We had a one-table worship night here. And uh, another picture, it was like, I see fire shooting from here all the time to the nations. And that's part of what brought us to Fort Worth. And, but on this picture, I saw light beams from all over the nations flowing right into Ukraine. And so, you know, touching people, covering them, protecting them, allowing the enemy not to get to them. Prayers for the Russian brothers and sisters to actually love. I mean, just watching technology roll in to kill people is just heinous. And we're talking about the fall. And so we're talking about what's going on in our world today. And uh, so it just, it's grievous to the heart of God that image bearers would kill other image bearers. Just, you, you got to know that. We'll say more about it. But yeah, so Father, in the name of Jesus, we as this congregation of your people, we join together in interceding. Lord, let there be a meeting between you and those in Ukraine right now. Lord, the refugees, those trying to get out of the country, I'm I'm asking for supernatural covering and protection, uh, exits where there needs to be, Lord, protection. Lord, stop the violence in the name of Jesus. Lord, stop the use of technology to, to kill other 
uh, image bearers in the name of Jesus. Lord, stop war in the name of Jesus. Lord, have mercy and break into this whole situation. Lord, protect our brothers and sisters on both sides of the geographic uh, line between the countries. Lord, uh, just I'm praying right now for the family of God in particular, Lord, and for everybody else. But Lord, bring help and healing and grace and, and peace. Lord, bring peace. Lord, make it like, like heaven. Make it on earth, in Ukraine, and in Russia, and in that part of Europe. Lord, and right here at home, right in our world, bring your peace. In the name of Jesus, and all the church says, Amen. Amen. It's, it's good and right for us to pray the kingdom prayer today. Uh, <clears throat> I want to thank uh, Jim Reynolds for preaching last week, brought a great word. And, uh, you know, Jim is uh, just a dear brother, and I just want to honor him and Donna, who's uh, sitting right there beside him, mighty woman of God. And uh, so we get to walk together. Like Jim's on our sermon planning team and just years and years of experience. A lot of our staff grew up at Lake Highlands Church. And uh, so we're, we're blessed. You know, this is, Antioch is some of the fruit of Jim and Donna's lives, you know. And so our sermon team is made up of a lot of different folks. And we've done this for over 20 years now. Uh, it's got diversity on it, different, you know, guys and a gal right now, different ethnicities, at least one, you know, different, but it gives different perspectives. And whoever's standing up to preach still has to write, you know, has to do the, the, the process. And it's a process just because you have some other people speaking into it doesn't mean it's all done. I'll just, you know what I'm saying, but it does help to have a broader voice of what, you know, because we see better together. The fullness is in the church. He said, over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. How much of Jesus do you want to get? All of him. Want the fullness. So that comes when we're together. Does that make sense? So I've done the birthing process, uh, as it were, uh, scratch that. I've gone through the process of, of uh, doing the work to get here. And, uh, uh, you know, it's like, who had the audacity? <laughs> Don't compare it to that. So, right? So uh, I'll stop. Move on. It's so good to be together, isn't it? Open your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. We're uh, doing chapter 3 through 11 today, and I've been standing, and even the, the weather gave me uh, even more time to sit and stand at this mountain and try to figure out which path I was going to take for, for navigating this. And so we're continuing in the story that we find ourselves in, and today we're looking at the fall, okay? The fall. Doesn't that just fire you up? We're looking at the fall. So the way, I haven't used this slide yet, but I use it, I've used it a lot down through the years. And so if you would put the story slide up, um, yeah, so, so, so when we're doing this, you know, we're looking at Genesis 1 and 2 in, uh, in, in kind of the, the type in Revelation 21 and 22 in fulfillment. And we're telling this story that is uh, the, the breakout event that happens is right in the middle is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, happens in the middle of the story. And it changes the way we understand the whole story. 
But this is the story that we're going through. And these, the story we find ourselves in is the story that runs from creation to new creation. Or the way we say it around here sometimes is it runs from before creation to new creation because we've got some insight in John 1 and Ephesians 1 that God was working behind the scenes even before creation to predestine us for adoption to sonship into the family, into the triune relationships of love and grace, the Father and the Son, their shared communion in the Holy Spirit. It was always God's plan to do that, to pour out his love for us so that we could share in that love. So from creation to new creation, and so that's what we're looking at. Last week, Jim talked about uh, the, uh, well, before I do that, the first week when we started, I talked about uh, uh, the Jesus lens. But before we get to that, just go ahead and hit that next slide there, John. And that's, you know, we're, it's like we're in a five-act play. That's the way I, I think N.T. Wright was one of the first ones to coin that phrase. But it's like these different acts of the play have happened. And so we're, we're in this same story. We're living life right now, 2022, in the same story. And, and so this story, we live in line with the story that's gone before us, and we look with anticipation to what's coming we pray fervently for there to be peace on earth because peace on earth is coming. And so it's right for us to pray the kingdom prayer. And so that's the kind of, we want to be signpost people that point under the leading of the Holy Spirit in this fifth act of the play that we're in right now, living creative, beautiful lives that express love and justice and all the things that mark heaven, the kingdom of God on earth. So a couple of weeks ago, we started and we said, we've got to start with the Jesus lens, right? We start with the Jesus lens because right in the middle of the story, the resurrection then changes everything. It changes, oh, wow, okay, so, so, so Jesus Christ really is he, everything he claimed to be. He is the true king and the true Lord of the world, declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true king and Lord of the world. Does that make sense? And so now you look back at the story through the lens of Jesus. You can't unknow that Jesus is the Lord. You can't unknow that the God that Jesus reveals, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's the eternal Son of the eternal Father, and there's shared love and communion in the Holy Spirit. You can't unknow that about God. And so when you read God in Genesis, you're no longer reading with a darkened understanding of who God is. God's just this blob up there in the ethereal, never, never land. And I don't know that much about, no, we have a revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ who says he is the image of the invisible God and the radiance of the glory of God. We look at scripture now through the lens of Jesus. And like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, we look backwards. We read scripture backwards, retrospectively through Jesus. And we understand, oh, wow, that's what God was doing. He's moving this thing forward. And then we read forwards through the lens of Jesus and, and, and we say, God's gonna, he's gonna fulfill these promises. He's gonna do these things. But, but if there's, a, there's an integrated understanding that will change the way we read the Bible because of Jesus. We're no longer just in the dark. There are things that are still mysterious to us, but it's not all mystery because of Jesus Christ. Make sense? Okay. <clears throat> so, lens of Jesus. And then last week uh, with Jim, it was the triune God creates. And I, I just want to hit 
one other piece here, just when we're talking about Genesis 1 and 2, we're talking about the purpose of God for creation, but also the purpose of God for humanity. And so we see that God put male and female together as his image bearers, to bear the image of God. And so we are made to be in the image of God. And I would just say that's really huge. The image of God, to be image bearers, is, is really uh, huge. And then we were also made to be uh, rulers, to carry the authority of God, to express God's goodwill and reign on the earth. And we were made to share in the life of God. He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And then we were made to multiply that life, to, to be fruitful and multiply his life, image and authority and reign on the earth. But now we're coming to the part in the story where, where that image gets marred and where that authority is given up and where that life is lost and where multiplying that life just shuts down. So that's, that's what's lost in the fall. And we'll, we'll talk some more about that in just a second. And uh, as, we, as we move forward, there's a couple of choices that I just want to clarify that we have to make about Scripture. Now, in reading Scripture and interpreting Scripture, there's a lot of things where there's an overlap of understandings. Somebody says this, and somebody else says this, and there's some, there's some overlap there. And it's like, well, you kind of got to recognize both of those ideas, you know? And that's why we do theology in community under the leading of the Holy Spirit, you know? And so it's, it's not always just, well, it's just what the Bible says. Well, yeah, it is, but my brother who loves Jesus and is laying down his life for Jesus sees it different. So, so, so how, do we, how do we do this? How do we do this? And so Todd Billings in his book, I'll just give you a couple of either or statements here. This book was recommended to me recently. Um, the, book is called, um, the book is called The Word of God for the People of God, an entryway to the theological interpretation of Scripture. And he says, you know, there's a couple of things where you've got you've to make a decision. And one of them is that either revelation from God is grounded in the inherent universal human capacity, just our, like we can figure it out on our own. And this would be very much Greek philosophy. It would be very much the philosophy of the Enlightenment. If, we just, if, we, if I just ask you the right questions, like Socrates, I can draw out of you what's there, and it will be truth. Or <laughs> God actually breaks into history in his dealings with Israel and ultimately with himself and God becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Now, you can't have it both ways. This really is an either-or statement. Either we can do it all on our own or actually God brings a revelation through Jesus that's from outside of our reality to bring reality to us. Truth. Does that make sense? So that's gonna affect how we view Scripture. If I can just figure it out, or do I need a revelation? Do I need to look through the lens of Jesus to understand this? Another either-or statement here from Todd uh, Billings is either scriptures received within a deistic hermeneutic or a Trinitarian hermeneutic. And what I mean by this, it's, it's a similar kind of statement, and that is that deism was really, really made popular in the Enlightenment. 
And that is the idea that God's just kind of up there. He, he made the world. They were still believing in God, but they didn't see his action in reality, in the world itself. And so God's up there. He created things. But for God to do something in the world, it would be like a miracle. And it doesn't really happen very often. But if it did, it would be a miracle. And that's, that's a different view of God than a Trinitarian hermeneutic of Trinitarian, like the Jesus. So when I say the Jesus lens, I'm saying this, just so everybody knows. I'm saying that, yes, at the dead center of the dead center is a father and a son and a Holy Spirit, a triune God of relationship and love from all eternity that out of the fullness of that overflowing love and fountain of goodness chose to create us in the world that we live in. That's a different that's a different kind of experience. So this God is interacting with us all the time. It's not a miracle only. It's a miracle that we're alive. I mean, it's a constant. If you're going to say that's a miracle, then it's a constant miracle. Uh, we can be separated from God in our minds, but we can't really be separated from God and live. Like John 1 verse 1 to 4 says, nothing that is created, has ever been created without Jesus Christ, the word of God. Like all that is. And, and he holds, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, he holds everything together by the word of his power. There's nobody existing out by themselves doing their own thing, even though that is a popular view out there. We're saying either deistic or Trinitarian. Okay, and so I, I would add some more things to the Trinitarian piece. We're getting some more language for this, the rule of faith, you know, so I'm not, I'm also saying, yeah, the God who created everything sent his son into a sin-filled world to be the, the one and only sacrifice for us, born of a virgin, crucified under Pontius Pilate, raised on the third day by the power of God, ascended to the right hand of the Father, pouring out the spirit that you now see and hear. We're saying that too. But all that goes together in interpreting this. Does it make sense? So Trinitarian rule of faith, the core, core of the core. That's what I'm saying. Okay, had no idea how all this is going to unpack. I've got a few notes, but it was, it was too much. I just, those couple of days, and Kim goes, just go write something down. I was like, ah, I can't, it's too much. <laughs> uh, so today, we're looking at the fall. That's where I'm trying to get to. We're looking at the fall, and uh, a few of the following chapters that the devastating effect of sin unleashed in the world on the image bearers and on the good creation. What happened? It's a mess. And that's why, you know, we tell the story in this way that starts with the good creation. We don't just start with the fall. Now, there's tracks out there and things that start with sin. But, but you, you miss out on what sin actually is if you don't tell the, that God's good and his good creation and, and, and the image bearers before the fall and then you understand how devastating and how messed up and how broken the fall really is from what God intends for us, what God has for us. And so it's a big deal, devastating effect of the fall. And it all starts with disobedience. And we can frame this a lot of different ways. It starts with pride, starts with disobedience. 
Um, but it's believing a lie about God that then cuts us off from the ability to receive from God. And so we start believing a lie about ourselves, which leads to a lie, uh, a believing a lie about others and the world around us. It's insidious is what it is. I'm going I'm to unpack that with a slide in just a minute here. But it's, it's a big deal. I'm struck by just, there were several things from Jim last week, but I'm struck by the thought. He said something I was watching on Monday and uh, just was struck by the fact that Adam and Eve never fully explored the goodness of creation. You know, just like, it's like they ran straight to the thing they weren't supposed to do. This one thing, they can, it, all of the good creation, go wild, you know, but they went to the thing they weren't supposed to and they missed out. Like he said, it would take 20 lives, lifetimes to explore the goodness of creation. And every now and then we get a little taste of that. We get a little window. We step into the zone for a minute. We're in worship or something. We go, Lord, you're way better than what I thought. Yeah. You know, and this, this, what you have for us as image bearers is way more than what I thought. And so it's like, a, it's like wow, you know, we've lost a lot. The point here is that humanity, all of us, have stepped into a rebellion against God. A rebellion that leads, leads to sin, that leads to murder and death and chaos, brokenness, and all kinds of babbles, Babylons, all around us. And we'll say something more about that as well, where things are about us, and then they get systematized over time and organized and it's a mess. So here's the main thing. God, uh, the main thing is that God wants us to understand what is lost in the fall so that we can guard against the lies and sin and embrace the redemption that Jesus brings to the world. Okay, so we're gonna talk about the fall, but we can't do it in a way where we unknow that Jesus is our savior, right? And it's gonna shape our understanding of the fall and how bad it is, and yet allow us to have hope in the middle of the painful story of broken humanity. So let's look at the next part of the story, the fall. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter three, and we'll read verses one to 19. So if you would stand up to honor the reading of God's word, please. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must eat, not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband and she gave, she gave some to her husband who was, who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. 
The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife, and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This is the word of God, and we say... Thanks be to God. Amen. Have a seat. So the way I want to introduce what's going on here, I mean, again, there's different ways of, of getting at this, and there's so much that we can say about the fall. In, it's, you know, uh, what we're starting to touch on here is the purpose of God before the fall hasn't changed. Just because, so if we're on this path and, and then we fall, just because we've fallen and God through Jesus redeems us and gets us back on the path, that doesn't, that's not the end of the journey. God had a plan for us to grow into full stature in Christ even before the fall. So he's putting us back on that road ultimately in the story of redemption. And we see that story played out over and over and over again. Creative people create things, but then it gets corrupted and God brings redemption and ultimately, the story is consummation, and we're together with him. But I'm going to frame it today just believing a lie. When we believe a lie, put the, the slide up, if you would, um, first, the core truths. The core truths are that God is love and that God loves us. And when we're living in the light of that, things go much better. We're, that is the truth. That is the truth. That's the core truth about who God is. And that's the core truth about how we're made. We're made to be people who love, who receive God's love and give it back and who give that love to others. That's why the Bible is summed up in two main commands, right? Love God and love one another. Love God, love one another. So that's the core truth. So now here is the introduction of the fall in this framework here, and that is the core lies. I should say lies up there at the top. But the core lie is a lie about God. Did God really say? Is God really good? Does God really love you? That, that, that is the core lie. 
Will we believe a lie about God or not? Because what happens then, when we believe a lie about God, it's like it blocks us from being able to receive what we, we have to have to live, is the affirmation, the love, the identity that comes from being image bearers who are baptized, filled, immersed in the identity that God gave us as his image bearers. So when we believe that lie, then it's like it cuts us off from God. And we start coming up with our own puffed up ideas and brokenness and lies about who we are, trying to, trying to somehow allow ourselves to be somebody, and, but we, we're missing out the whole time because we're missing out on our purpose as, as, as the way we're made. And so when we believe that lie about God, we start believing a lie about ourselves. We start believing a lie about ourselves. I'm not this. I'm not that. I need to hide. I'm performing. I'm filled with shame. I'm just, I'm a mess. I, anybody ever hear this stuff? You know, I know it's not just me. It is the fall. So when we believe a lie about, can we keep that up there for just a second? When we believe a lie about ourselves, uh, about God, we start believing a lie about ourselves. But not only that, then we start believing a lie about others. And we see them through the same broken lens as we're starting to see ourselves. And it's just, it's a mess. And it just goes from bad to worse. And so what ends up happening is, because I'm not receiving life from God like I should, because I'm believing lies, then I'm like, I gotta have life. I've gotta, find, I've gotta have an existence here. And so I start trying to find life from wrong things sinful things. I even start trying to get life from other people. <laughs> right? If, you know, will you give me life? Will you give me life? Are you my mother? <laughs> that was random. But, but it's like, are, can you fill this empty place inside of me? And it won't work. Trying to get life from something besides God is death. So, with God is life, apart from God is death. So on that day, you'll surely die. There's a, there's a separation and there's an enemy status we take in our minds concerning God. We can't get life from other people. We can try it, you know, and really closely connected to all of this is the fact, hit that next slide, that it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that's what that's what the challenge was. That's what they ate from. And the tree of the knowledge, you just break that down. The tree of the knowledge, it's not just evil. It's not just we're out there sinning, doing evil. You understand that. But, but it's the knowledge of good. And so there's something fundamental about us being on the throne of decision-making, trying to play God, versus saying, God, you are the Lord. You know what's best. Your reign is best lived out on planet earth when you're in charge. It best happens for us to be stewards when you're reigning in and through us. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's, it's kind of scary because it's like you look at the enlightenment philosophers or anybody that's trying to say from a human perspective, we can figure this thing out. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's brokenness and the fall apart from God. It, it, it will lead to death. I mean, just think of 
how much enlightenment philosophy or philosophers, like I made this point a couple weeks ago, Nietzsche, Freud, who's the other one I meant? Marx, you know, economics, power, sex, you know, money, sex, and power. Let loose, loose on the world and through our own philosophy results in death and destruction. It's just really, really practical. I'm not trying to bum everybody out. It is a sermon on the fall. (laughs) It's not good. It's not good. We need a savior. Uh, We need a savior. And so, so the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it's where I put myself in the place of judging. And I can't love with God's love while I'm on the throne judging. I just, it's like I have to step out of the throne, bow my knee, and get God's heart to really get God's heart. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, whether I'm, you know, just I know I've blown it and messed up like the younger son in the story of the prodigal son, or whether I don't understand, and I'm the older brother who's judging away this, that, and the other, we're sailing in the same boat, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that's what's, that's what's at stake here. That's what's happening here. And what is lost is sad. What's lost is the image of God. It's all the things that, that we were talking about last week. That's what's lost in this downward descent to a life apart from God. That's what's lost. We, we lose, we lose our, 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 our image-bearing beauty And so with that identity in question, the image then goes all kinds of crazy, messed up places about who I am, what my image is, what my identity is, right? From gender confusion, we no longer, it's not just male and female, it's all these other options because I'm disconnected from God's vision for me and my identity. And so... The image is then just, it's all over the place. I'm totally insecure. I'm looking for life from anything that will give it to me, any identity that will help me find it. I've lost the image in the fall, and I've lost the authority, the reign of God in and through me. I'm not bowing my knee to Jesus like his way really is best. And so ultimately, when the gospel comes and Jesus proclaims the gospel, repent, Believe the kingdom of God is at hand. It's because the reign of God has come to the earth in the person of Jesus Christ. So what we gave up, image, who is the image? He's the image of the invisible God. We gave up the authority. He comes and brings the reign of God. We gave up the life. He is the life of God, right? And we gave up multiplying that life in the power of the spirit. And Jesus brings away through his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and pouring out his spirit for that life to be multiplied in and through us and our brothers and sisters all over the world. This is good news. Hallelujah. So, yeah, you know, that's what, that's what was lost, you know, and we see, I see it in myself, you know, hiding in the bushes from a God of fellowship and love. Like their first Decision, hey, here we go. Decision number one, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We need to hide from God. It's really sad, isn't it? First decision, hide from God. In the bushes, we were naked. We're hiding, you know, first decision. And, um, you know, it's like, 
Lord, and we get into these cycles of performance. Well, then if I could just do it, if I could do it good enough, then I wouldn't have to hide. I wouldn't have to be covered with the shame that I feel. If I could just, if I could just do it better. And we don't. We mess up. We blow it. Or we get religious and we figure out a standard that's good enough for us. And then we judge everybody else. It's true of the knowledge of good and evil, but just we judge everybody else according to what we do good and what they may not do is good. And Lord, it's a mess. We need a savior. We need Jesus. And so the story rolls on. Um, Genesis 3.15, by the way, which is awesome good news and the first announcement of the gospel. It's called by theologians, the Proto-Euangelion, right there in Genesis 3.15, says, he will crush your head, speaking of the descendant of Eve. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And you see there, I mean, just like that's what Jesus came to do is destroy the work of the devil, the sin in our lives, and just the, the, the system, the world. Sin, death, and, and death. He came to destroy death. You know, all those things that were lost right there, Jesus came to fix and make right. So it's, it's really good news. You roll the clock forward, though. Genesis 4. Uh, I'll, I'll get through these others quickly here. But um, Genesis 4 is Cain and Abel. And they both make a sacrifice. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know all the, the nuances of what was going on in Cain's heart, but something wasn't fully given to God in a way that made that sacrifice less. I don't know if it's about meat or vegetables. It's unclear. But Cain didn't like it. And he didn't like his brother being accepted. He judged him in a frustrated way because his offering was accepted while Cain's wasn't. And so Cain was angry with him. And God told him, sin, first time sin is used, is crouching at your door. So be careful. And what was the sin that was crouching at his door? Violence. It was violence. So you just, and there's so much to say. We can go on and on about, you know, some of our pet favorite sins, but violence is up at the top of the list, right? It's anger in our hearts towards someone else that's unresolved. And Jesus says, you know, it's like murder to leave it unresolved. Paul says, don't even go to bed one night with it. Give it up because you're giving the devil a foothold and you give him a foothold for long. He's in there <laughs> dancing around. He's got some place to work night after night, month after month, year after year. And for long, you've got an angry, bitter a murderous heart, sinful heart. You know, it's, it's hard, man. So the, Cain kills Abel, and then he's, he's banished, and he makes this statement seven times. I, I want to be avenged seven times. And then Lamech has somebody that comes against him, and he kills this young guy, and he tells his wives, if Cain's avenged seven times, I want to be avenged 70 times seven. I want to unleash violence on the earth. And what is it that Jesus comes and specifically overturns? His Lamech statement. He says, no, Peter, you don't just forgive seven times. You forgive 70 times seven. You know, the way violence has been released, we want to overturn that and bring peace and forgiveness as followers of Jesus. So 
wickedness is greatly increasing in the world. Uh, you follow the generations down, but look at Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of, hum- of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I'll wipe them out from the face of the earth. But he finds Noah and has, Noah has favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so you follow the story forward past the flood, and God makes a, a, a covenant with, with uh, Noah, the rainbow. We just had a double rainbow over the church about a month or so ago. When, does that sound right? My, in a time warp? Okay, yeah, month. You know, sometimes, you know, you say a month, and it was six months or a year, and... Uh, trippy. Um, ha- happens more as you get older. Just, just facts. You know, the other day, no, it was five years ago. Uh, thank you. Stephen Wright. I probably shouldn't quote him because I figured it's probably, there's some bad stuff in there, but um, that one's okay. Um, older people only know that guy, probably. Um, where's that? Yeah, so... <clears throat> So, so the thing that helps me as I look at God's frustration and judgment and the regret is that I know the prequel, that the Jesus is the lamb slain before the creation of the world, that God's plan was always to adopt us into his family in love. So even through all of the frustrations that are expressed here, God's heart for us is good that God's heart for us is love and kindness. And, and he's going to make a way. He's gonna, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful, rich plan, this story that we find ourselves in. And you roll the clock forward to the Tower of Babel. And I just want to say this about Babel, because Babel is, it, on the surface, you know, it's, this, it's where Babylon ends up getting founded people come together, let's join together, let's make a name for ourselves. Pride's kind of at the heart of it. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's do technology. I think it's interesting that they make bricks and that's the, like we're doing something with our intelligence that is, uh, and there is power in unity. Even in Babel, there's power in unity, but it's, it's using technology in a way that's ultimately destructive. And for me, it's kind of, I think, spiritual when I, I read that story about Babel because Babel becomes Babylon and it becomes the place of exile. It's where, it's what happens when we don't choose the way of the Lord. There's, there's, a, there's a distance in our hearts and there's a sense of exile, you know? And so uh, it happened with the Israelites and they were longing for the Lord and the redemption that came through the return from exile. You see it in Revelation. The, the, they're tapping into the Babylon story as John's telling, giving the revelation. And he's talking about, you know, it has multiple layers and levels, but at the end of the first century, it certainly, certainly includes Rome. You know, in that moment, Rome was a terrible Babylon. It's code for the powers that have taken over. And even right now, I would just, throw out here that there's a lot of Babylons going on right now that we find ourselves in the midst of. David Kinnaman is a friend. 
and, uh, and wrote a book a couple of years ago. I forget the title, but he's president of Barna Group, and, it, and he coined the phrase digital Babylon. Like we're living in digital Babylon, you know, where everything's instantaneous, where we're on our screens, and our screens are so many ways, they pull us away from the Lord, from things that are graphic and violent and visual and sexual and, somebody help me, you know, just, the, just bad. Somebody said bad. Yeah, it's bad. It can be. It can be used for good, but they're, when, they're used, when it's used for bad, man, it's like it is a place of exile. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So, uh, Babylon. I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't help but think as I watched the tanks rolling into Ukraine, just how much technology was being used, not for good. You know, and, and I was at a thing on uh, Thursday with some people trying to plant churches in and around Fort Worth, and a bunch of pastors were together, and it was good. It was encouraging. And we're doing some, uh, some studies on some stuff. And the thing on Thursday, Wednesday, sorry, rather it was Wednesday. Uh, nobody did anything on Thursday. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the thing was on lament. And it was like, you know, it was kind of like speaking in tongues to me or something. It just, I, I just lament. You know, I just, it, I'm so wired, no, my Top strengths finder on those surveys always comes up. Number one is positivity. So I don't, I don't languish very long in the negativity. I want to get, okay, there's hope, right? And yet I'm sitting there looking at Ukraine and I'm going, this is wrong. Like this, this is wrong. That's, that's not right, you know? And it's wrong that there's a longing in my heart for that to be made right, and so some of that is lament for us as we see the things that are wrong in our world and we want to, Lord, make it right, to pray the kingdom prayer, to be image bearers that reflect rightly the image of God, the authority of God, the life of God, and the multiplying of that life on the earth. And praise be to God for Jesus Christ, the, the Son who comes and steps into the darkness and into the mess you know, and we can't read the, the story of the fall and not remember, we can't unknow this, like that God did this. And I'm running ahead in the story, but th- we need to know this good news. Everybody here needs to know that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, that he took our place, that he was able to respond to God and represent humanity to God and represent God to humanity. And he lived a perfectly obedient life, always saying and doing what it would have been for us to do and say, had we been able to do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's, it's good news. And so Jesus dies for us and he takes our place and he is the representative human for us in the midst of, like Adam, this representative fall that is for all of us. How much more is the good news that comes through Jesus Christ? And it's really good news, y'all. And it, it, it allows us and empowers us by the Spirit of God within us to not live broken off from God as enemies in our minds from, to, to God who is actually wants us to walk with him, just like Jesus, in a relationship of love, just like Jesus. 
in a relationship not of independence, but of absolute dependence, to live by the life of another. That's, that's, what, that's what God wants for us. So, you know, I know I, I want to be pastoral here and just say, you know, God really does care for where you're at right now in this moment. And he's tender with you. He's like, he's, he's always going to be like a father. And sometimes it's like, no, don't keep going that direction. His anger. But it's, it's, a, it's a father's anger. It's a father's love. That's infinitely, as much as Mark loves those guys, it's, it's, it's more. It's beautiful. And he's wooing us, even in telling the story today, to come to him, to put our hope in Jesus, to our trust in Jesus, the Savior of the world. <laughs> Where else can we go? Where else can we go? Let's stand up and respond to the Lord here. Uh, worship team, come on up. <clears throat> worship team. If I could, just the ministry team guys as well. Again, this is one of those messages we're all impacted by this. Everybody, there's no one unaffected. Um, and whether that's, you know, hey, I really need to turn from something that I'm finding myself in this morning. Like, I wanna just say there's grace for repenting. There's grace for turning. There's grace for forgiveness. There's grace for experiencing the love of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And there is grace for stepping out of, I'm going to just make all the calls in life. It really is a surrender to say, God, I want to live by your life. I don't want to just live by what I think and know. I don't want to just live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lord, I want to surrender my thinking, my heart, my life, my all to you. And that's going to get worked out in so many different ways all around this room. And I just, I pray, let today be a day where you step forward out of the mess and into life, out of death and into life, out of darkness and into light, out of hopelessness and despair and into hope and out of anxiety that just rides over us in our brokenness and into peace. He loves you. It's good news. It's, it's right there. You know, this descendant is going to crush the head of the enemy. He's going to bring life. Even though Jesus had to suffer the cross and have his heel bit, he brings life. So, Father, wherever we're at across this room, I just ask for grace to say yes to you, to surrender, to bow our knees to you, to our ideas of what it means to be image bearers who are male and female in your image, what it means to surrender to you and your authority, your good reign on planet earth, what it means to be life-carrying, life. Lord, even the way we say it in our mission is that we want to share and multiply your life in and through us, Lord, and that it would be done in a fruitful way, starting in Fort Worth and to the nations of the earth. Lord, meet us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. And as always, if you've got some prayer need, did you come in? Please don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. It's just, it just helps. We carry each other's burdens. Let's do it today. Amen.